Welcome to Planting Freedom. This is the place where you'll get to journey with a small group of people from Northport, Alabama. This group is a part of a team that is working together towards a common goal. Now while our ultimate goal may be the same, we're all very different. We have different personalities, different jobs, and we're all at different stages in our lives. But here you'll get to hear some of our hopes and dreams, some of our fears, some of our triumphs, but most importantly, you'll get to hear our hearts. My hope and prayer is that through this podcast, you'll be able to journey with us as we seek God's direction in pursuing our ultimate goal together. Thrones and angels watch in wonder On that day when time is over What's up, everybody? Hey, welcome back to episode number two of Planting Freedom. I am Chris Parker. Um, We're glad that you're back listening again. um, You survived episode one, clearly, um, if you're back for number two. Um, So in that episode, you heard a little bit about um, my move to Las Vegas that's coming up, my move to Vegas for an apprenticeship um, at Hope Church. And so today, uh, I want to give you some backstory on me, um, a little bit of my background and how I got to this point, this point of being a church planter. And that story really starts with uh, my salvation in eighth grade and just out of the gate going a long way back. So as an, as an eighth grader at, at Gardendale First Baptist Church, I was under um, Jamin Grubbs was my student pastor. And it was a Wednesday night and Jamin had preached a message. And to be honest with you, I, I don't remember the topic of the message. I don't even remember the scripture that he used, but I remember that night knowing that I needed Christ in my life. I needed to give my life to Jesus, that I had not done that before. And so that's when things sort of shifted for me in the eighth grade, where I really, for the first time, tasted of the Lord and saw that He was good. It was then that my heart began to shift. Um, My outlook, my viewpoint on life began to look different because of what Christ had done for me, because I had invited him into my life to be the Lord of my life and committed myself to him. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't screw that up. I I still screw that up at 27 years old on a regular basis, but for a while there, I, I can remember after being saved some a couple of my buddies who were new believers as well would, would get together after school and would go on the main road in Gardendale where I grew up, and there were a lot of fast food restaurants there. And we would go after school and basically share the gospel with people in these restaurants. And I remember thinking, this is what it is about. Like, we were so excited. We were so on fire. I mean, then we let the world sort of drift in on us. We didn't guard our hearts the way that we should. Um, And I won't speak for them. I'll speak for myself. But as I got into high school, uh, later into high school and definitely into college, I began to stray some. And I knew that what I was doing wasn't fulfilling to me. I knew that it wasn't right. I knew that it wasn't what God had called me to. It wasn't righteous living. Um, So my freshman year of college, I was doing some things I shouldn't have been doing or, or just really not, not living a, a holy life, not living a life 
of worship that, that God designed me to live. And I remember laying in my dorm room in my bed at night thinking there, there's got to be more to life than this. There, there's got to be more to life than just this sort of, I get up every day and I go to class or I hang out with my friends or, you know, there's nothing wrong with that um, necessarily. Uh, but I knew that there was more for me. I knew that, that God had called me to something greater. So my, my freshman year of college, there was this church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama that had not started yet. They were a church plant. And there were it was some friends of mine, some guys I had known, were getting ready to start this church. And so they asked me to come and help them pass out brochures and sort of advertise for the launch of their church. And I really wasn't, you know, I thought, well, I'll do this because this will, you know, it'll make me feel better if I do something like this, or it'll, it'll, you know, maybe God will smile down on me, you know, whatever, if, if I go and, and do this. And so I remember going and helping to pass out things in neighborhoods. And then I remember the day that the church launched and I was there, it was their first Sunday and a couple of hundred people came and I remember that day, this feeling in my gut of, wow, you know, these people live in a place, in a city where there are churches everywhere, um, yet none of them, either none of them go to church or they're not happy at whatever church they're at. They're looking for something. And all, all this group of people had to do was say, hey, we're here. We love you. We're starting a place where you can come. And these people came. And so I knew then there was something intriguing about uh, church planting, about planting a church. Um, so at the end of my freshman year of, of college, I decided that in order to get my life on track, in order to do what I felt God was calling me to do with my life, which, which I didn't know what that was, but in order to align my life with Scripture and the way God called me to do that, I had to get out of Tuscaloosa, where I was living. And so I moved back to Birmingham, and there was really no place for me college ministry-wise. The college minister had just left the church, my home church, um, so there was really the college ministry was in a you know transition period. It's kind of in a weird phase, and um, the college pastor that had left was planting a church um, in North Central Alabama, and so I decided it was about you know forty minutes drive from from Birmingham where where I was living, and I decided well I'll go up and and help them and be a part of this because it's a church plant and that was intriguing to me and interesting. So. I go up there and, um, again, experience the same thing. Wow, these people are coming somewhere. They're being fed. Their lives are being changed um, from something that didn't exist six months ago or didn't exist a year ago. Um, and so that was so, and I, and I thought to myself, this is what I'm going to do one day. I'm going to be a part of a church plant. Now, I thought I would get, you know, a degree in business or at one point I wanted to be a nurse which, if you know me, is, is hard to imagine, especially the, the compassion side. The Lord's still dealing with me uh, on that. But and I thought, well, I'll, I'll be a nurse, or I'll you know, get my degree in business, I'll have my job, and then I'll just be a part of a church plant, you know, like I have been before, passing stuff out, you know, whatever. Um, but God had other plans for me. So after about six months of, of driving to that church plant in north central Alabama, um, it just got to be too much, and I thought, I need to plug in somewhere locally. So I go back to my home church, Gardner First Baptist, Jamie Grubbs, the one who led me to Christ in the eighth grade, still the student pastor there um, at this time. Matter of fact, he's still the student pastor there to this day. Um, and so I go back to Gardner First Baptist, and I remember going down where the, the students were meeting, and it was a Wednesday night, and I was standing there against the wall, and Jamin walked in. I hadn't seen him in a while, and Jamin walked in, and I said, hey, you know, look, I know this is weird. I'm in college now, and there's this student ministry, and, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want this to be weird or awkward, but 
hey, I'm here. Like, if you need anything, if you need any help, um, I'm gladly do it. You know, if you need me to go get something or clean up or whatever that looks like, I'd be glad to do it. And he's like, okay, bro, that's, that's cool. Just stick around. We'll use you for something. And a couple of weeks later, Jamin comes to me and says, hey, look, we need another Sunday school teacher in one of our Sunday school classes. And I was like, well, you know, I've never um, taught anything, particularly the Bible, you know, and I don't know that I'm the guy for the job uh, to teach Sunday school to a bunch of students who were, you know, very vulnerable. Um, And so he says, look, there's another teacher in there. You won't have to do much. Just sit in, you know, and fill in if he's ever out, whatever. So I agree to it, and I go and begin to sit in with this Sunday school class. And then about three or four months later, the, the other teacher that was teaching with me, um, he's a year older than me, he took a job as a student pastor um, at that church in North Central Alabama that I'd been at before. And so then it was just me. It was just me and a bunch of high school boys. So they may have been in eighth grade at the time, me and a bunch of eighth graders in a Sunday school classroom and every Sunday morning, and then I had to teach. I was sort of thrown into this world of something that I was not familiar with, something that terrified me, something that I felt great responsibility for. Um, And that was a time in my life where God really began to mold and shape my heart and really began to show me what He had created me to do in life. And so that was a turning point um, where I began to enjoy that. I began to enjoy seeing these guys get it, seeing these guys ask questions, seeing these guys memorizing Scripture, seeing these guys showing up week after week looking for more. And so from there, from, from teaching Sunday school, um, Jamin presented me with an opportunity um, for summer internship at Gardendale with him and the student ministry. And so I agreed to it. I agreed to the uh, internship at Gardendale. And then that turned into, hey, look, we're, we're looking to hire somebody um, to come on staff as, as a you know associate in the student ministry, and we would love for you to do that. And, and this was when I really began to, to understand God's call on my life was to ministry. It was to full-time ministry. I, I really had no idea what that would look like. Um, I didn't know what that meant. Maybe it meant just, you know, serving on staff at Gardendale or whatever that may be. And so I stayed on staff there for two years, just over two years. And I get a call one day from Jamin who says, hey, what are you doing? And I was driving um, on 65 northbound. I'll never forget it. I was almost to the exit to go home. And Jamin said, what do you think about living in a place near the beach? What do you think about living near the beach? Like, I don't, you know, I'm not really a beach guy. I don't, you know, I don't like the saltwater sticky, the sand sticky. It's hot, you know. I just really go to the lake, you know. I don't like the beach, but so no, I wouldn't like going, you know, living near the beach. And he said, "Well, here's the deal. Um, a friend of mine, John Jenkins, is a pastor in Kingsland, Georgia. I'd never heard of Kingsland, Georgia. Most of you probably haven't either." Um, so uh, John's in Kingsland, Georgia. He's a pastor down there. He's been there, you know, four years, and, and he's looking for a uh, youth pastor, somebody to come in and be a student pastor. And I, I recommended you. It's like, you know, why would you do? Th- why would you do that? You know, why would you recommend me for that? And he said, Well, here's the deal. You know, I don't want you to go because you know, Jamin's one of my closest friends. He said, I don't want you to go because you know, you're my buddy, you're my brother, and man, I love doing ministry with you. But God's doing something in your life, and this is just something you need to pray through. And so I did just that. I, I talked with John. I began to pray. Um, and I talked with John a lot. I had a lot of questions. And quite frankly, the furthest I had ever lived away from home at the time was an hour away when I was in school, my freshman year of college. And so Kingsland, I learned, was eight hours away from Gardendale, where I grew up from Birmingham, eight hours away. And 
you know, I knew who John was. I'd met John, but I didn't really know John. You know, I didn't know his wife, don't, didn't know his kids. I didn't know a soul in Kingsland other than John. And we were just what I would call acquaintances. We weren't buddies. Um, we didn't have a history together. And so I really began to, to pray and seek, God, is this what you're calling me to? Because this is new. You know, this is new territory. This is something that is scary to me. I don't necessarily want to go, but God, if you're calling me to this, I'll do it. And my biggest fear the whole time in the process was the distance, like being away from everything I'd ever known. And I talked about that a lot in episode one, moving to Vegas. But that was one of my biggest fears about moving to Kingsland was moving away from home. And as I was praying through, you know, whether or not God was calling me uh, to go to Kingsland First Baptist Church. Um, I remember being, and there was a room at, at Gardner First Baptist where we used to meet for prayer uh, on, on Tuesday mornings at 6.30. The students would come before school, and then the same room we would use for um, guys' nights and girls' nights, where guys and girls would have their own nights and come in and worship and hang out. And there had been some really powerful moments in that room, some really powerful encounters with God in that room. And we called it the refuge. It was called the refuge. It was a safe place. And I was praying through whether or not to go to Kingsland, and I'll never forget, it was some, it was, it was some day during the week, it was mid-morning, no, nobody was there, and, and I was in the refuge, and I just turned on some worship music, and I was praying, I, I was crying out to God, you know, God, what do you want me to do here? Is this what you're calling me to do? And, you know, maybe you're thinking you were, you were Chris, you were fretting about a decision that wasn't that, but to me, it was, it was that big of a deal. I mean, it was, it was scary, it was new. I didn't know if I was ready to be a youth pastor. I had been under Jamin's wings all this time. I didn't feel like I was, you know, equipped and, and ready to do this. And so I'm, I'm crying out to God, and I'm on my knees in there by myself in the refuge. And I was on my knees with my elbows on the carpet, my head down on the floor. And through tears, I opened my eyes, and I looked down at the carpet. And it was blurry, and it was dark in the room. I didn't have the lights, you know, um, on full blast. And I remember through, like, tears in my eyes looking at the carpet and in this moment, as I'm saying this, I can picture the carpet. It was, it was a gray color. It was a deep gray carpet, indoor-outdoor carpet, really, really rough, the kind that would give you burns if you run your legs across it or your elbows. So um, you couldn't get too out of hand if you were praying. You had to stay still or you have carpet burn. But I remember looking at this carpet, and in the darkness of the room and through tears in my eyes, it's almost as if I heard God say, Chris, you could be anywhere in the world right now looking at this carpet, this carpet could be in Asia. This carpet could be in Denver. This carpet could be in Kingsland. This carpet could be right here in Gardendale. But as long as you are seeking me, as long as you are serving me and pursuing me, it does not matter. I am with you. I am with you whether this carpet is here. I'm with you whether this carpet is in Georgia. I'm with you wherever you are because you're you and I'm in you. And in that moment, I knew that God had called me to step out of my comfort zone, to not do something that was normal and comfortable for me. And so I ended up going to Kingsland and serving Jesus there as their student pastor for right at two years. And the reason I did that, the reason I went, um, I, I go back to, to, to Scripture in, in, in Romans um, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 say this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And then a couple of verses down in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, this is where it picks up, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14 says, But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they had never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So that's what led me to Kingsland. I knew that there were people there that were lost. There were people there that that needed an encounter with Jesus, and God had equipped me or was in the process of equipping me to meet that need on his behalf, to just say yes so that they could hear the good news of the gospel. So I'm I'm in Kingsland for my my I preached on a Sunday in view of a call. That's what you do in a Southern Baptist church. You preach in view of a call and the church votes. Um, whether or not they want you to come there. It's, it's really intimidating. It's like a popularity contest in middle school. So you have to go and preach, and then they vote like, yes, we'll have him or no, we, we won't. So they, they voted me in, and then the Sunday a year later, like a year later exactly from that Sunday, uh, was John Jenkins' last Sunday at Kingsland First Baptist. That was the, the pastor that had called Jamin, had, had called me there. So a year Later, after I preached in view of a call, that was his last Sunday there at, at Kingsland. And, you know, I, I love John, but I remember thinking, God, you know, you were kind of the guy that I that I was, you know, here. With. Like, I, I got to know you, you know, I, I semi-knew you or knew who you were before I came. And, you know, it just kind of fit. It was scary all over again. Like, gosh, here I, now I'm with, you know, these people in Kingsland. But by then I had learned that, um, hey, these people are all right. You know, I like these people. They're, uh, they're, they're pretty good. So Kingsland now is, is like I have a whole second family um, in Kingsland, Georgia, a bunch of folks down there that I love. And so then I began the process of, of serving there with, without a lead pastor. We had an interim pastor and um, so in, in October of 2015, October 2015, John Jenkins calls me. He'd been gone for probably eight months from, from Kingsland. He was at Northport Baptist Church in Northport, Alabama, and he calls me up one day and he says, hey, God's given me this vision of Northport Baptist Church being a church that plants churches. And so what I feel like God has called us to is to plant five churches in the next 10 years, and we're going to do it via a college pastor. So we're going to call somebody in to be a college pastor here for two years, and they'll build a team while they're here, and then they'll leave and go plant a church from Northport with their team. It's like, okay, um, where? You know, where, where, where is this church going to be planted at? You know, what is it? Well, the North American Mission Board, he tells me, has identified 32 cities. Um, they call them SEND cities, S-E-N-D. You have to be careful. It's not SEND cities. They are SEND cities, cities filled with sin, I guess. That's why they're identified. But they're S-E-N-D, SEND cities. North American Mission Board's identified these 32 cities, and within these 32 cities lives 80% of North America's population. And these, 30, and these are the most lost cities, major cities in North America. And so we're going to pray through these cities, and that's where we're going to plant a church wherever God leads us. It's like, okay, well, so you're telling me basically there's 32 options of where I might live one day. You know, I'm not, I'm okay. Uh, John says to me, um, you know, I, Chris, I, you just pray about this. I don't know if you've ever even considered church planning. I don't know if that's ever been on your radar or not, but just, you know, pray about it and see. And I told John, I said, John, I've never told you this. You don't know this, but... I have had experiences with two church plants before, um, and I knew the first time that, that, that I'd seen a church plant launch, I knew then that God was calling me to be a part of this in some way in the future. At the time, I had no idea what it looked like. And maybe it's not this with you. Maybe it's not Northport Baptist, but know that this is something God put in my heart years ago, years ago when, when I had no idea that I would even be in ministry. I said, so I'll pray about it, and, and I'll get back to you, and, and we'll go from there. So I began to pray. I feel like this is what God's called me to. Um, 
He's called me to plant churches, to be a church planter, and, and that means being a church planter at Northport Baptist Church. You know, and as I look back, I, I was so terrified of moving to Kingsland eight hours away because I didn't know anybody there. It was, I was going to be alone. But as I look back, I see where and God has used that to prepare me. God has used that. God used that time in Georgia to say, you know what? It is okay. You will make it. Like if you're following me, if you're doing what I've called you to do, I'm going to work it out. I just need you to be faithful. And so God had been doing that in my life. And, and when it came time to um, really start praying through where we were going to plant a church, when I came on staff at Northport, I'd already been praying for a few months on, on God, where are you leading us to? Where are you calling us to? And and it was this impossible task of how do you pick from 32 cities that all need Jesus? You know, millions upon millions of people that all need to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, who, who, who are lost as a duck in the desert, have no idea how do you choose between 32 of them where you're going to go and share the gospel. And so we began to pray through these cities, and ultimately we felt like God was calling us somewhere out west. Um, when I say we, I mean John and I. We'd been praying together and praying on our own about where God would lead us. And so we narrowed it down to three cities. Um, we were looking at Columbus, uh, Ohio, Denver, Colorado, and Phoenix, Arizona. And from the three cities, if I'm just being honest, I thought, well, Phoenix is out because Phoenix is hot as crap. I mean, Phoenix is... Last summer, the summer of, of 2017, it got so hot in Phoenix that some airlines had to ground their planes because it was so hot. I didn't even know that was a thing, that it could be so hot that planes can't take off. But it's something with their wheels or tires or, you know, whatever. So surely Phoenix is probably off the list. And uh, we went and visited um, the cities, and, and we continued to pray through it. And then ultimately, God led us to Phoenix. Phoenix was a place I'd been to one time. Um, I had flown into Phoenix on my way to a football game, football game in Pasadena, and we flew into Phoenix and literally went from the airport to the rental car facility and got a rental car and drove to California. So that's all I knew of Phoenix. I knew that it was desert. I knew the speed limit was higher between Phoenix and Los Angeles that I'd ever seen a speed limit before. It was like 80. Um, I didn't know that was a thing until then. So I'm excited about that for the move to drive a little faster um, without breaking the law. So and that's all I'd known of Phoenix. And we had visited multiple times now and, and had to narrow down now, okay, Phoenix, over five and a half million people, but where in Phoenix are you going to plant a church? Where in Phoenix are you, you going to plant? And this was one of those things where I felt like I really can't choose this because I don't know. Like, I, I don't know the area. I don't know well, where's there a big need. You know, where's the biggest need? Where, where's the most important place? You know, I, I don't know. I can't answer this question. And as we walk through this process of, of where in Phoenix we were going to plant a church, I was reminded of the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was, um, Nehemiah was a cupbearer um, for the king of the Persian Empire. Um, just a simple cupbearer, he would bring the, the king his, his wine or, or whatever he's going to drink. That's what he was. He, he bared a cup. Um, he was a nobody. One day, Nehemiah's brother shows up, and he tells Nehemiah, he says, Hey, Nehemiah, the people who, the people who had been in Babylonian captivity that have returned to Jerusalem, they're, they're in trouble. They're, they're not doing so well. So Nehemiah's listening to his brother say this and knows that some of his family are a part of that group of people where... Um, they're in trouble in Jerusalem because there are no walls, and the walls around the city have been torn down. They've been knocked down, and so there, there's no protection there. Now, Nehemiah had never been to Jerusalem, so Nehemiah didn't even have 
the capacity to produce a mental picture of what the city looked like. But, but, Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4 says this, When I heard this, this is Nehemiah, When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah, this dude that had never even been to Jerusalem, never even seen it, he had a burden for the city. He knew in his heart that he, he, he felt compelled to do something about it. He felt compelled to be the change. Nehemiah, all of a sudden, he's mourning, he's fasting, he's praying. You can read his prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1. It's incredible. He says, God, I know that I've sinned. I know that we have sinned. I know that your people have sinned. But God, I want to be the difference. I want to do something about it. So Nehemiah wants to go to Jerusalem, and he wants to rebuild the walls so that Jerusalem can get back to what's important, and that's worshiping God. God without fear. They can worship God without fear of an attack, without fear of people coming in and smashing the temple or whatever that may look like. And so Nehemiah wanted to do something about it. So Nehemiah got the guts to go to the king one day when he brought him his cup. And the king says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? You look like something's wrong. You look bothered. You know, you look sad and worn down. And Nehemiah basically tells the the king, what, what his brother told him, like, hey, Jerusalem's in trouble, and I want to go do something about it. I want to go rebuild the wall. And so the king says, well, I'll give you permission to do that. Go right ahead. Matter of fact, what I'll do, Nehemiah, is I'll grant you permission. I'll get with the other kings of the areas you're going to have to pass through, and I'll make sure you have permission that nobody bothers you. And as a matter of fact, Nehemiah, they'll give you some supplies too, so that when you get there, you have all the things that you need to make it happen. So you don't worry about a thing, Nehemiah. You go, and you rebuild. And that's what he did. He, he went to Jerusalem, and in a very short time, the walls were rebuilt with the help of the people, with Nehemiah's help leading the, the charge. And then they were, the walls were dedicated to the glory of God. The walls were dedicated to the glory of God. And because of Nehemiah's work, Ezra came along behind him, and then people began to, to follow God's law again. People began to fall back, and people began to live righteously again. And so when we are looking for this neighborhood, I think of Nehemiah, and I can remember praying, God, make me like Nehemiah. I mean, give me a burden for a place that I've never been to a place that I don't even have the capacity to produce a mental image for it because I've never been there. God, show me that place. That's where, I, where there is a need, right? Where, 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 where walls, where things have been broken, where things have been torn down, but they're ready to rebuild. They're ready for something new. They're ready for something fresh. God sent us to that place. And ultimately, through a long process of prayer and, and, and visiting a lot of cities, I'm not going to act like we didn't go visit cities and get a feel for them because we did, um, God led us ultimately to Buckeye, Arizona. It's straight west of, of downtown Phoenix, several miles west. Um, they, they call it East L.A. And I don't know if that's something to brag about or something to be like, eh. so they call it East L.A. because it's you know west of, of Phoenix, of downtown Phoenix. And so Buckeye's where uh, we're going to be. And, 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 and you know, he, here's my thing. I'm, I'm 27 years old. I felt inadequate to teach Sunday school um, back at Gardner First Baptist. I felt inadequate to be on staff at Gardendale serving in the student ministry. I felt inadequate to serve at, at Kingsland First Baptist as a student pastor. Again, I felt inadequate to come here as a college pastor at Northport Baptist Church. And I don't feel like I have the tools. Again, I feel inadequate to go plant a church in Buckeye, Arizona. But God, right? But God has called me to that. But God has given me the tools. 
Again, I can't do it on my own. In my power, it's impossible. But with God and what He's taught me over the years, what He has shown me, and, and I have not arrived. I pray that tomorrow I'm a better person than I am today, and the same for the day after that. It's a, it's a daily grind for me. I'm on the same journey as you. I'm a dirty, nasty sinner saved by the grace of God, and I, and I mess it up and I screw it up all the time. But this is what God's called me to. And so maybe you're listening and, you know, I, I'm trying to open up and let you hear some of my story, but maybe you're at a place in your life where you say, you know, I feel like I can be doing more. You know, I, I, maybe you don't feel that purpose or fulfillment that you think you should. Or maybe you just feel like every day is just the mundane routine that you go through because it's what you do. Um, and seek God. Seek God's direction for your life. Let Him put things in front of you. All you have to do is look. That's our problem. We're so we're so obsessed or we're so busy with everything that we do. We've got work and we've got school and we've got this and family and that. We got this trip and we got this going on and and we have so many irons in the fire that that we've blurred the vision of what God has for us. We've blurred the the best that God has for for us ahead of us. And though it may be hard, this journey to to Buckeye planting a church in Buckeye is not going to be easy. But I think back to Jesus when he looked at the cross. Um, that was not easy for him. It was not an easy journey for him to carry his cross, to drag his cross, and then be crucified on it. But he did it because of the joy that the Lord had set before him. And that's the same. The, the, the same thing is true for, for you and for me, is that there is joy that is set before us. And yes, it may be hard. Yes, it may be difficult. But the journey is worth it. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to endure. But there is joy ahead and there is purpose. And so I would encourage you to find out what is God calling you to. It may not be to plant a church. It may not be to ministry. It may just be to be nice to the person, to your coworker. It may just be, hey, I'm, I'm going to behave a little bit in traffic, you know, on my way to work, you know, whatever it may be. Or maybe God's called you to full-time ministry. Maybe God's called you to love that neighbor of yours that you never talked to. Maybe God's called you to forgiveness of someone that, that you've held this grudge against for years. Maybe God's just called you to love others better. Maybe God's called you to lighten up and have a little bit of fun in life. I don't know what it looks like for you, but God's called us all to something. He's called us all to something greater, something greater than we're able to achieve on our own. So trust in God. Know that God has a plan for you. He created you for this life. Don't miss it. Don't miss it because I don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening, guys. I, I appreciate you uh, tagging along with us on our journey um, to planting a church. And, and look, I'm going to be as honest as I can be throughout this whole journey and as open as I can be um, and let you in so that you can understand the struggles and the hardships and the joys and the triumphs and, and, and all the things that, that are going to come along with this process. Um, so thanks for joining us. Next time on episode number three, you're going to get a chance to hear from Lindsay Thomas. She's a member of our church plant team. She's moving to buck out with us. So you'll get to hear um, Lindsay's heart, her story of how God sort of shaped her and molded her to this point to, hey, I'm going to get up and move and quit my job and I'm going to go to Buckeye and we're going to plant a church and I'm just going to trust God and figure it out. So you'll get to hear from Lindsay next time. Hope you'll join us. Be safe. God bless. Talk to you soon.